Hello, and welcome to School Me, the National Education Association's podcast dedicated to helping educators thrive in the early stages of their career. I'm your host, Natika Samuels. We want all of our students, no matter their color, zip code, or background, to have a well-rounded education that gives an honest depiction of who we are, inspires integrity in how we treat others, and gives them the courage to do what's right. But lately, some elected officials fueled by big money are playing politics with our children's education. They're mischaracterizing and stoking fears about what is taught in our schools, attempting to censor teachers, and keeping students from having access to an honest and accurate education that prepares them for the future. You may have heard this referred to as critical race theory. This manufactured outrage is designed to divide our communities along racial lines for political purposes and to hold on to power. We know that educators believe that all students deserve an honest and accurate education, and it's educators, not politicians, who we trust to best prepare our students for the future. Unfortunately, just as some segments of our country have begun to publicly acknowledge and reckon with the ways that our laws, practices, and institutions harm Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, the political right has successfully pushed through new restrictions in at least 10 states prohibiting teaching the truth about history, race, and racism. So how does this legally affect educators, and what could this mean for your curriculum? Today, we have NEA's General Counsel, Alice O'Brien, with us to discuss what critical race theory is, what it isn't, and what you need to know to protect honesty in education and yourself. Thank you so much for joining us again, Alice. It's good to have you back. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start from the beginning. Can you explain what critical race theory is? First, let's talk about what it's not. What it's not is a curriculum that's taught in K through 12 schools in this country. No schools are teaching critical race theory to kindergartners, right? That's just not what is happening in this country or even to high school students. Critical race theory is a legal theory that considers how laws that appear to be neutral, in fact, function in a way that advances and entrenches racial divisions in our country. For example, if you were looking at how school funding functions in this country, you could talk about it in very neutral terms, in terms of a funding system based primarily on local property taxes supplemented by state and federal education funding. Or you could think about it a little more critically and say that the funding system is based primarily on local property taxes that differ substantially along racial lines due to the continuing impact of redlining of neighborhoods based on race. That second analysis is an example of how one might look at an issue through a critical race theory lens. But that kind of analysis is something that is done at the collegiate or graduate school level. It's not something that's being taught in kindergartens or even high school classes. So what are these new laws that are governing how teachers teach students about our country's history? Beginning last spring, a number of states began to take up these measures that restrict how teachers teach students about our country's history. To date, 10 states have adopted such restrictions in one form or another. Six have adopted laws, Iowa, Idaho, Oklahoma, New Hampshire, Tennessee, and Texas, Two have adopted state school board rules, Florida and Utah, and two more, Arizona and South Carolina, attempted to include these kinds of restrictions in their state budget. It's worth noting that there are two more states that have acted on the issue by way of non-binding state board resolutions, Alabama and Georgia, but those resolutions don't even purport to change how classroom instruction is provided in those states. 
Now, the majors vary somewhat, but they have a lot in common. All are primarily aimed at K through 12 public schools. All prohibit teaching that one race or sex is superior or inferior to another, or that one race or sex should be discriminated against. Obviously, that kind of instruction would violate longstanding civil rights laws and is not something that teachers are doing in their classrooms anywhere in any event. Many of the laws also prohibit instruction that makes students feel uncomfortable or responsible based on their race or sex. That prohibition raises lots of concerns because we all know how uncomfortable even grown-ups get when the subject of race or sexism comes up. Thanks to the advocacy of NEA affiliates and others, a number of states with those kinds of anti-shaming prohibitions already have issued guidance narrowing them. The narrowing guidance makes clear that just because a student may feel discomfort when a class is learning about deeply disturbing parts of our country's history, that does not mean the instruction is prohibited. NEA and its affiliates will continue to press for narrowing interpretations of these laws. And to the extent that states decline to narrow and clarify their laws, NEA stands ready with other organizations to challenge overly broad and vague prohibitions on instruction in the schools. If you are in a state that has adopted one of these measures and your state has not clarified its scope, you should reach out to your local union and state affiliate for guidance on the best way to proceed with instruction that some in your community may challenge. A number of the measures also have provisions that flat out censor what can be said about certain subjects. For example, the Florida, Texas, Tennessee, and Iowa measures all prohibit teaching that the United States or that particular state is fundamentally or systematically racist or sexist. The Florida and Texas measures both prohibit certain teaching related to the 1619 Project, which is an ongoing project of the New York Times to reframe how the narrative or story of the United States history is told. In Florida, teachers are not supposed to use any materials related to the 1619 Project in their teaching, whatever that might mean. And in Texas, teachers are not to require an understanding of the 1619 Project. So presumably, if you talk about the 1619 Project, but do it badly, so your students don't really understand it, your instruction is just fine, according to Texas. Now I joke, but these measures are really no laughing matter. In the name of protecting students, they're attempting to silence teachers and prevent them from teaching the truth about U.S. history. So we're saying that critical race theory isn't even something that's taught in schools, especially K through 12 schools. But why do we need to worry about these laws then if this is something that's not actually being taught? Because the rhetoric around what these laws are is not the same as what the laws in fact are. So the rhetoric of the right around these laws is, these are prohibitions against teaching critical race theory in schools. But if you actually look at the measures, that's not what they are talking about. What they are talking about is prohibiting teaching certain concepts in K through 12 schools, including at their worst, teaching certain viewpoints or approaches to teaching history to our students. So for example, we were talking about Florida and Texas. Both of those laws prohibit teaching about the 1619 Project, which effectively prohibits teaching a particular way to think about history. The 1619 Project is about reframing the historical narrative of US history to center the fundamental role that slavery has played in our history and the key role that African-Americans have played in our history. 
That is a particular viewpoint or perspective on U.S. history that the states of Florida and Texas are now prohibiting being taught in our schools. So if you're in a state with one of these majors, you do need to understand what it actually prohibits. And you should go to the NEA website to find that out. So does that mean that an educator could get in trouble if they're teaching their normal curriculum that they've you know, spent a lot of time developing and just want their kids to understand our history in its full view? No, an educator should understand if you're teaching history or civics in line with your established state standards or longstanding practice in your school district, these new measures should not provide a basis for any action against you or require you to change your curriculum or lesson plans. And remember, these majors have been enacted only in 10 states, as well as in a handful of school districts. So if you are not in one of those states or districts, the measures do not apply to you at all. And even where states have adopted the measures, none have changed their existing state standards. You know, the state standards that establish what you're supposed to teach students in history. And while the existing state standards certainly can be improved in lots of areas, they do require that students learn about this country's whole history, including more than two centuries of slavery, the Civil War and Reconstruction, white racial violence, including the KKK, the Tulsa race massacre, and so much more. If your teaching is in line with those state standards, you should be on firm ground. Yeah, and I think that's why we talk about it here at NEA as honesty in education instead of talking about critical race theory, because as you said, critical race theory is not really being taught in our K through 12 schools. But what we're really fighting for or advocating for is that we can teach students history, honestly, without sugarcoating things beyond what's age appropriate. And we trust educators to design curriculum that that tells them about it in the ways that they can understand it. So thank you for clarifying that. And how would someone know if they're in a state with one of these measures? You can look up if your state has one of these measures on the NEA website. Just go to Google and type in NEA, teach the truth, and look for the document that says, teach the truth, know your rights. And it lays out what states have these measures and what they prohibit. So if an educator is in a state that does not currently have one of these laws or restrictions, does that mean that they don't have to worry about this anymore? Unfortunately not. There is a considerable organized effort to push for these laws to be enacted in lots and lots of places around the country. And even in states where that is not feasible because of the composition of the state legislature, this activity is showing up at the local school board level. It's clear that this is an organized and well-funded effort, which is driven by politics. To mobilize their base, right-wing activists are playing politics, and they're trying to gin up opposition to schools teaching critical race theory, which just isn't taught at the K-12 level, and using that made-up issue to try to sway voters and get them back in their camp. Right. And for some people, this might sound obvious, but for those that it's not obvious for... What do these politicians stand to gain by fighting this particular battle? So the attack on honesty and education, it's a very craven political attack. It is about using race to divide people and to drive people who are on the fence back into the Republican column. What if your students 
if you're an educator, ask about current events that raise issues of systemic racism. I mean, that's been a huge topic over the last two years. And a lot of people are, quote unquote, becoming woke (laughs) to things, or they're just hearing about things a lot more on social media. It's hard to ignore a lot of that. So is it their responsibility as educators to talk about those things? How can we work with the system and make sure that we're doing what's right when it comes to these issues? So if you're in a state with one of these measures that prohibits teaching students about the United States is systematically racist or a particular state is systematically racist, you have to be careful about how you construct your curriculum and how you're going to answer students' questions on these issues. I wish I didn't have to say that, but the fact is we do have members who have gotten in trouble for appearing to promote a viewpoint in their classroom that is at odds with that kind of prohibition. So what are the best rules? Number one, in most of the country, there is no such prohibition, right? And as educators, you know how to handle difficult questions in professional and age-appropriate ways. As long as your curriculum is age-appropriate and aligned with state standards and past practice, you should be on firm ground, and you are on firm ground everywhere in the country. If you are going to talk about something that you know is really controversial, you're in a county, for example, that supported Trump, you want to talk about the insurrection on January 6th, you know that's going to be extremely controversial, take some time to talk to your union representative in advance. Take some time to talk about whether or not you want to alert the administrator in your school and figure out what is the right way to engage students in those subjects. We know that you as an educator have the expertise to engage students in those conversations. And we know that those conversations are critical to their growth and their ability to grow up and succeed in a diverse and increasingly interdependent world. So your work is critical, but rely on your union. We will stand with you and support committed educators who use their expertise and judgment to teach students the whole of our history and engage our students in the challenging discussions about that history that will help them grow and succeed in our diverse, multiracial democracy. So that's a little bit more removed from most of the students, but what if there's a racial incident that actually happens in school? So these laws don't purport to change how you respond to racial incidents in the school. And of course, under federal civil rights law and also under state and local civil rights law, your school is going to have an obligation to remedy racial discrimination and harassment that occurs in the school. And your school likely has a policy in place for doing that. So as long as you are responding in a way that's in line with that school district policy, these new laws do not impact that. Thanks for listening to School Me, and a quick thank you to all of the NEA members listening. If you're not an NEA member yet, visit nea.org slash whyjoin to learn more about member benefits. Have there been successful counters to these restrictions by educators? So how have people successfully fought off these new restrictions? Have there been any good examples of that happening? You know, these measures have just gone into effect in most places. So this is the first school year that they're into effect. In many places, they have not been enforced yet. And so most of the action 
in the initial months has been around trying to get guidance that clarifies what the laws actually mean and what they do and don't prohibit. And I think there have been some really helpful examples of guidance that have has usefully narrowed the scope of the laws. So for example, we have had guidance from the Iowa Department of Education saying, look, teaching about racial oppression and slavery in this country is deeply upsetting to everyone. And that does not mean that you don't teach about it. So this law does not put subjects, you know, that are central to our national story and things that we all need to grapple with and figure out what you think about and also how to overcome them going forward. It doesn't place topics off limits in that way. So I think those are real success stories because when the law was initially passed, there was concern that you can't teach anything that might upset anyone. And obviously if that's the measure, that's an impossible measure for people to deal with. I suppose it's silly to say that perhaps not talking about racial oppression or racial issues would be upsetting to black people, brown people, people who have actually experienced it. But I think it's probably safe to say that these are not the people who are fighting for these kinds of restrictions. So if you are a person who wants to foster a more inclusive environment at your school, maybe you support Black Lives Matter, Indigenous people, a more inclusive environment overall in your classroom, what can you do? Can you display Black Lives Matter flags? Can you do a Native land acknowledgement? What are you able to do? So these laws don't prohibit or prevent school districts or educators from continuing to promote inclusive environments and inclusive curriculum in their classrooms. We know that those approaches work. They engage students, they improve student retention, they improve student achievement. If you're concerned about how your community may react, talk to your principal about the importance of making sure that all students feel seen and supported in your classroom and in your school in ways that the school can make sure this happens. If you plan on posting a symbol of inclusion in your classroom or in the hallway, such as a Black Lives Matter poster or a Dreamers poster, and have not seen others posting similar items, make sure to tell your principal in advance so that you can address any concerns they may raise. If your principal or another school administrator prohibits you from posting those kinds of materials, talk to your union representative about how you should best proceed. So if a parent, student, administrator, or just a member of the community accuses you of violating these restrictions on what can be taught, what should you do? First, take a deep breath. Don't respond in the moment. Reach out to your union for support. We are there to stand with you and to support you. We are determined to protect committed educators who are teaching the truth to their students, using their educational expertise to engage students, even in difficult topics, so that students understand and learn about the whole history of the country. You can find your union if you don't know where it is by going to NEA's website and searching for your state and there'll be a link to the state affiliate, the state union's website. And on the state union's website, you can find what your local union representative is and how to get in contact with them if you don't know already. And the reason why it's important to talk to your union is number one, we're gonna stand behind you. Number two, 
they can help you determine what rights you have. I think a lot of educators think you have broad rights in the classroom under the First Amendment. Unfortunately, that is not the case. But you do have protections under tenure law if you have worked for a number of years in your school district and been and your contract for employment has been renewed again and again. You have protections under tenure law and cannot be terminated for unfair reason or through an unfair process. And you may have protections under your collective bargaining agreement as well if you're in a collective bargaining state or school district. And even if you don't have protections under your collective bargaining agreement or under a state tenure law, your school district still cannot terminate you for an unlawful reason, such as your race or sex or as punishment for your advocacy outside of school or in retaliation for your advocacy for students. And if you're a professor, you're at the higher education level, remember that you have greater protections because the First Amendment does protect some of your choices as to curriculum and instruction in order to protect academic freedom at the higher education level. How can educators speak up in opposition to these laws and restrictions? So the first thing to remember is that you have the greatest protection as an educator when you're speaking up as an individual citizen. That means you're outside the classroom, you're outside of work, and you're speaking to your community or to the general public or to your church community or to a neighbor organization. And so that is where you have the most protection in speaking up, going to a rally, going to a school board meeting, writing a letter to the editor, posting on Facebook or other social media. You can join students at those off-school events too, but you should not use your authority as their teacher to urge them to participate. And when you're speaking up, you need to speak up about the importance of learning about the full sweep of U.S. history and all its complexities, even things that make people uncomfortable to talk about and discuss. Talk about the value of civics instruction in schools and the benefits of having students engage in age-appropriate discussions about the issues of our day, including the murder of George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter, the racially disparate impacts of the COVID pandemic. There is a lot that our kids need to grapple with as they grow up and take their place in society. And our educators have the expertise to engage them in those discussions. So if you and your fellow colleagues want to gather and have some conversations about this, how can we find resources for them to use to guide their conversation and to really make sure that they have the facts about what's going on? So we have so many resources available for educators on the NEA Honesty and Education page and also the NEA Know Your Rights, Truth in Education page. And you can find those just by Googling them. But what you'll find there are, number one, you'll find a description of what these laws do at a general level. At a national level, you'll find out if your state has one of these laws. You will also shortly, very soon, be able to find state-specific Know Your Rights materials. So if you're in a state like Florida, you can find out exactly what the Florida law says and what you can and can't do. And you can find the school board resolution, which you can use, you know, as a tool for conversation, for organizing, for engaging the community, and for prompting your school board to act to protect educators and to stand up for honesty in education and inclusive education. So if someone wants to do something really concrete right now about these restrictions, what are some things that they can do? 
first, go to the NEA Ed Justice Honesty and Education page. You can just Google it. It will come right up. Um, and there's a pledge there that you can sign to show your support for teaching the truth, honesty in education and inclusive education. And once you sign that, you'll be on our list. So you'll receive updates on the honesty and education movement. Number two, on that same page, you can find a model school board resolution, you know, which you can take and use as a tool for conversations with your colleagues at outside of school, have those conversations outside of school, off school time, but conversations with your colleagues about the importance of what you're doing in your classrooms, and also as a tool for organizing your community, for organizing parents, and ultimately for organizing your school board to adopt the resolution in some form and you can tailor it to your community and to the needs in your community in order to put the school board and the school district on record as supporters of honesty and education and our educators expertise in teaching our students the whole history and the truth of our country's history and where can educators go for more information about their rights and just more information about these prohibitions in general? Two places. Number one, you should always reach out to your local union for assistance about how laws and policies are applied in your school district and your school. Number two, on the NEA website, if you go to the Honesty and Education resource page and NEA's Know Your Rights page, and just Google NEA Know Your Rights Teach the Truth to find it, you can find there's a link at the bottom. If you have specific questions that aren't answered by the resources on that page, you can submit them to NEA and NEA will answer those member questions about these new laws and what they mean. I'd like to say to our educators that you're not alone. I know we have educators that are out there teaching in areas where it's very unpopular to engage students in discussions with them about current topics that are of critical importance, like the racial justice protests that came out of the murder of George Floyd, like the January 6th insurrection. And we see you and we hear you and we stand with you. We are there to support our educators who are out there teaching the truth to our students, engaging them the best way they know how, even in these incredibly trying times in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of being targeted by right-wing trolls and being doxxed, you know, and having their names and addresses published still they are committed to teaching their students the truth, teaching students the whole history of this country. And those people are heroes and we stand with them and we are proud of them and we want them to know that we see what they're doing and are so appreciative of the instruction they're providing students in those classrooms. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all that information, Alice. I learned something and I know some other people will learn a lot from this podcast too. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate this podcast and all the work that all the educators are doing. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. 
And if you find this podcast helpful, be sure to rate and review the show. It helps more people find us and the advice they need to survive their first few years in education. For even more tips and resources, you can visit us at neatoday.org slash school me. 